namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa bhutang dhammang sankhang namasami So it's uh, nice to have a look around here and see it is a very familiar crowd, a lot of uh, faces um, I, I know. And uh, also that means there's not so many visitors coming in, maybe something else going on tonight. Maybe a lot of people are on Fridays for future March in, in London or so. But um, yeah, it makes it kind of um, nice and cozy. Again, just mentioning it over and over again, even as you see the monastic Sangha, we are a very few at the moment. And um, But even within that, it feels kind of nice, you know, less crowdy, less energies, and yeah, very kind of intimate, yeah. So there's a few more people coming, and that's nice. Um, but also, I like to talk tonight about something, uh, yeah, very uh, precious, very good, and uh, very valuable, which was um, our annual family camp, which happens in August each year, and it just finished a few weeks ago. And uh, as it was going on was a lot of fun. It was um, a lot of insightful time, a lot of quality time together we spent there. And we were staying together as a group of almost 90 people for nine days, which was uh, very special. A lot of people were camping out on the field and staying at retreat center accommodation. And um, also kind of a very new thing or a norm, I believe, maybe since it's been going since donkey's years, this time, probably the first time that we were having it without any nuns joining in and uh, supporting that, which was very, very sad to see. So there was a lot of um, interesting monks from... But um, later on then, luckily, uh, Sister Tejasa came, or Sister Tissa, excuse us, <laughs> she came and joined us. And also for our walk on Thursday, we had a, a lot of nuns and anagarikas and so on joining us. So we had also then a bit of a balance, which was nice to see. Yeah, so, but it's also the encouragement for future years. If you're interested, come and join family camp. Yeah. So not um, that it was only a, a very good time, and at the family camp, uh, for instance, um, I was saying. My name is Nandio, because the people, uh, difficult to remember those Pali names, say if your name is John or Andrea, it's easy to remember for us, but Nandio is kind of difficult. So I was introducing myself with Nandio and I said, especially to the kids, if you have problems you know, remembering my name, just think of Nandos and um, there might make it a bit easier. And what happened, and they called me Cheeky Nandos. <laughs> so uh, for those of you who are not English, uh, I might just explain it briefly. Nandos is a fast food chain in England. And if you say wanna go and have a quick chicken wings and peri-peri sauce, you, you, you grab a cheeky Nando's. And um, so the, the people called 
Michikinandos. We also had a monk there who was always part of the family camp. This uh, venerable Santamano, and they called him Santa. So, and uh, there's a few more names going on, but I don't want to go down too far down the line. Um, so it, it was good fun, really, and as I said before. But for me, most impressive was that it was super peaceful and harmonious. And that I really, I'd like to blame on the theme we had going on for this year, which was uh, the Brahma Viharas. And the Brahma Viharas, the kids called them the brown bananas. <laughs> but the Brahma Viharas, they are basically mature emotions, or you can call them the heavenly homes of the heart, you can call them true love. And they consist of four, which is metta, or kindness. Then there is karuna, is compassion. There's mudita, which is joy. And there is upeka, equanimity. So as we were going on throughout our time together, we were picking up each of those individual brahma-viharas. And we had some activities. We had some sharings about them. And we, most important of all of it, we try to implement them, you know, really bring them to the fore and live them. And the Brahma Viharas, they are actually, they are a means, they are the Buddha's suggestion to live together peacefully and harmonious in community. So let it be a monastic community, it could also be uh, your personal relationship with your partner, that could be uh, your workplace environment or school, university. But these are the tools that Buddha recommended for that. And he even said they are the tools to resolve conflict and to get to healing and to reconciliation. <laughs> so, and it was incredibly Really, really, we didn't even have to go so far down the line to to do a lot of healing work and uh, conflict resolution because it just didn't happen, you know. And I was just imagine the sheer size of uh, the camp with the people coming together and, um, you know, different ages, loads of youngsters and... Uh, middle-aged, and we also we had a, quite a few grandparents there, but it all went very, very smooth, thanks to the Brahma Viharas. So what I'd like to share with you a little bit is about um, those Brahma Viharas and how uh, we can, you know, basically practice with those Brahma Viharas, and then let them also become more and more part of our own personality so that we are more peaceful and harmonious with ourselves, but also with our surroundings, with our family, friends, and with our whole society. So then the first of them, which is love or metta, kindness, loving kindness, you probably, you've heard it all before, and this particular one, it is really important. It's even like the a sutta. A sutta is like a, in the Buddhist scripture. It's a story of the Buddha when uh, the monks at the Buddha's time, they couldn't keep peace. They were quarreling. And imagine that, you know, you have like in a, a Buddha around you and an enlightened teacher and, and still, the monks, I'm not talking about the nuns, I'm talking about the monks, they uh, were creating problems for each other. And that was really over very minor little things, nothing really uh, too big. And the Buddha, he, he couldn't take it. And as it uh, was at the time, if you're familiar with the Buddhist text a little bit, they do it all three times. So the Buddha 
uh, first he asked the monks to stop, and they refused, and then he asked a second time, and they refused, and a third time, and they refused, and they said, well, you know, why don't you just go off to the Buddha, and we keep on arguing over <laughs> our little pity problems. <laughs> so the Buddha then decided to set off, and he went off wandering into the forest, and he came to a place where uh, three monks lived together, and they kept peace, they kept harmony. And these were the Venables, Anuruddha, Kimbali, and Nandiyo. And the Buddha required, so why is it that you live together peacefully in harmony? And those monks, they replied, because we look at each other with the eyes of kindness, we think thoughts of kindness, we speak kindly, and we act kindly. So we live together like milk blending with water. That was a common theme or common simile used at the Buddha's time. Mm. So um, that also explains to some extent how important it is to have peaceful, harmonious environment. And um, even the Buddha, you know, he was so uh, concerned about it, maybe even though he was beyond all what happened around him, but he still, he could not uh, tolerate it. So, and um, when we're going to take up this practice of metta, it is very important in my personal, humble opinion, to really, really start with ourselves, to cultivate metta, cultivate kindness for ourselves. And how we do this is by really accepting ourselves the way we are and also accepting whatever goes on within us the way it really is. So you can actually speak about a, a radical acceptance and there might be the most elated mind states we have, but there might be also the most coarse thoughts. Whatever there is, you know, we can just take that in and really embrace it, give it a good old hug, and be with that. Because that, once we are there at that stage, it really prevents us from going off into this problem of judging or maybe kind of an attitude of self-hatred, um, self-loathing, which is um, kind of very common nowadays. But when we can accept whatever there is in our mind, in our body, in our hearts, and then we can be at peace with it. We don't allow the second error to come in. Of course, that doesn't mean we have to act upon those, say, if it's an unskillful thought, but we can allow it in with the loads of kindness and gentleness and just let it, we can abide with it. And then there is other tools the Buddha recommended uh, on our way. We can then deal, say, with those mind states even though we, say, don't like them and if they are, um, beneficial if they are uh, leading towards our happiness and the happiness of others, well, might as well, you know, go on with them. But uh, it's really, really important to have this attitude of allowing it all in. So, and when we have this ability to be, you know, kind and, and gentle towards ourselves, and then it naturally, it resonates. You know, we don't have to go out and uh, spread matter to other beings. Of course, we are encouraged to do that. But it's uh, a natural outcome if we do have a heart which is full of metta, kindness, acceptance. Then it naturally resonates. And, you know, we have then also an attitude of kindness towards our loved ones. During the camp, we had an activity 
where we were asking then our friends, and I have to say it's of course mostly geared towards the kids, towards the young ones, so really we present it in a way that also the, the kids, they can understand it and benefit from it, and then the grown-up kids, they can just go along. So we were asking uh, during this activity time to uh, get some, uh, say, like post-it notes, and then write down three qualities one appreciates about oneself, and three qualities one appreciates about someone else, a friend, or someone else, say, in the community, or even not there. And so as we were going along those exercises, uh, it seemed to turn out in the end that really it was so much easier for most of the people, and even for the young ones, to find positive qualities about someone else. But it's more difficult to see those good qualities in oneself as well. And that is, I think, already quite telling yeah, um, where we are, because when we have uh, real love in our heart, there should ideally no distinction, you know, whether it's us or whether it is someone else. There should be just unconditional love. And so as we were going on with those little activity, then we were using those post-it notes and uh, we were creating a, a massive big butterfly out of them. And that uh, then later on went up in the marquee, which was sitting on the field and was hanging there, this uh, huge butterfly with all the different uh, dedications, so to speak, of, of goodwill. And that was um, kind of the, the overall theme. So then, once we familiarized ourselves with the theme of, of kindness, of metta, you know, gave us a bit of a grounding, opened the heart, we went on to the next of those uh, Brahma Viharas, which is Karuna, or compassion. And um, with compassion, you can also say it is like the ability to care for the suffering of another being. But again, also with compassion, it is also very important to experience that for ourselves as well. Because you know, we are also someone who is worth the care and the attention when we're having a, a difficult time, when we're not so good. And so by doing this, we were um, again doing some activities about the theme of compassion. But really compassion, when we speak about it is in, in the Buddha's term, is, is so important, yeah, to really open up to also that um, difficult situation, difficult uh, inquiries, different, or not inquiries, uh, encounters, that's the right word, and different difficult um, situations, you know, uh, a person goes through, you know, especially when we are in the context of a group, of a family, and to, to give it our full attention. And once we, we pay attention to it, we then also have a better, better means to get into action. Sometimes we can do something about it to help that other person to relieve that other person's suffering. Sometimes we can't. 
but it's not entirely up to us. But making this um, this already this wish, this intention, so that this person may be free from suffering. This is the beginning. And as uh, Thich Nhat Hanh put it, he said, uh, compassion is a verb. So actually, action is supposed to follow. Yeah. Again, first of all, the intention. And then the Buddha said, the mind is the forerunner. And if we are already inclined in towards the direction of compassion, then compassionate actions can follow. And they might be then by deeds or by, by words. doesn't really matter. Compassion is really it's an overall big theme in Buddhism. And Buddhism is often called the religion of compassion and understanding or wisdom and love. So you see, when we do, say, our investigations, our reflections, our mindfulness practices, we then cultivate a better understanding of our own, first of all, because it's most of the time geared towards our own experiences, our own joys, but also our own sufferings, and we get to understand ourselves better, understanding what really kind of uh, triggers us and you know what makes us be at ease. So by, by gaining that understanding, we also see more and more, we see deeper that it's yeah, the same for all beings. And by seeing that in meditation, in Vipassana, doing Vipassana insight meditation, yeah, by gaining this uh, deeper understanding, we then also realize, yeah, you know, it's the same for all of us. You know, we might be different in age, in nationality, in skin color, you know, but it's, it's all the same. We're all in the same boat. And, and that gives rise, that understanding gives rise to a deeper compassion. And this is uh, just a natural process. But then on the other hand, also having a, a deeper compassion, having an open heart that again gives rise to more wisdom because we have already this heart opened and we see, you know, we look for suffering, not we look for happiness. We all do that. It's just what we all do. We all just want to be happy. We don't want to suffer. But most of the time, we look at the wrong places. Well, we look at maybe external things. You know, we look at things which are material. Um, but really, you know, our suffering can only diminish when we look in our heart because this is for happiness and suffering arise. And then we look deeper and we see it's really, it's about, you know, this selfish desire and the identification. And if we can lessen that gradually, we also, we come forward to more peace and more true happiness. And again, that then also, that fosters understanding and wisdom in our hearts as well. So this is about compassion, that's the care for the, the suffering of other beings as well as our own suffering we're having. The third of those Brahma-viharas is called mudita or joy. And that is the joy or the care for the joy of other beings. But also again, not to neglect ourselves, also our own joy. Again, living together in situations, family situations, group situations, relationships, it's so important to care also for that joy and that well-being 
So a lot of times mudita is called appreciative joy. And so it is, in a way, if we open our heart, if we open our eyes, it's actually quite easy to look at the success and the well-being of you know, other people. When I look around here, I see many people who look at the moment quite contented. I see many people who I know since some time, and I can see, you know, they've been through a process, and actually they progressed on their path, on the spiritual path, and this is something I can really rejoice in. It's great, it's actually it's the most important, you know, we can have as human beings. So that makes me feel joyful. And we all have this opportunity to just, you know, really pay attention, look around and see where the joy lies. It is maybe one thing which is not so overly emphasized in our societies. Our society is more about you know, getting ahead, being the top dog, being the first one, and, and not so much about well, appreciating that someone else, you know, is maybe in front of us, someone else is having good luck, someone else, you know, won the lottery. <laughs> and But actually, this quality of mudita, it is actually a perfect antidote, a remedy for a lot of the ills, of our minds and our modern society, say competitiveness, uh, say the judging mind, say uh, conceit. If we can practice um, mudita, it is natural. It's a natural cure, and it's so easy. It's so easy. We just have to look. It's easy to see. Maybe you know, in the camp situation like the children, you know, when, they, uh, when they're getting somewhere and they're so full of joy or when they're gaining some new skills. And um, it's just where we really pay our attention. We can train ourselves in order to do that. And this is really very much in line because the Buddha's teaching is a training, a training in even a self-education and we just have to see, you know, wow, this is our school, this is our family camp, our little own project. You know, I know some people here, they have, they like to have their little projects, so we can make it our uh, little project, say, for our personal retreat time or so, or for maybe the next few days. And just, you know, look at the joys, again, at our joys as well. It's easily overlooked. And then we can really gain from it. Because joy is actually, it's so important. It's so important on the Buddha's path of development. I would even say without joy, there is no real um, progress on the way. So we need some joy. We need some well-being. We need some very... Um, good grounding, which makes us feel at ease. And as we speak about this quality, this beautiful quality of uh, joy, Mudita, my, my friend uh, Tan Kemadasi was telling me a nice story about, say, like a, a dog, an angry dog, an aggressive dog that goes into a, a hall of mirrors, and, you know, it sees its reflection not only uh, 20 times, but say maybe 50, 100 times. And it feels like surrounded by aggressive dogs. And it, it feels even more intimidated and gets more aggressive. But if a dog, a happy dog, walks into a house of mirrors and it sees itself surrounded by 50,000 happy dogs, it is even more happy. It smiles and it's just over the moon. And so it's also with, you know, Mudita. 
it doesn't mean you know that our own joy diminishes when we share it when we give it away when we you know really um yeah share it with with the world no it's it's quite the opposite and that's the beauty about it it grows it becomes even bigger so if we do have joy and we have the ability to share it that is the highway we can use it to really further our practice and our uh, well-being and become more joyful more happy and more contented so uh, the last one of those brahma viharas it is called upeka or equanimity balance of mind evenness of mind and that is something which is also very much related to our wisdom quality you know whereas those aforementioned qualities they're really you say hard qualities if you want to call them like this upeka equanimity has of course also this developed quite pure quite still heart but it also has like a lot of understanding which is uh, part of it as well so and then by understanding say the situation the way it is it makes us also a lot of time more balanced with the rough waters with the vicissitudes of life because sometimes there is things we can change sometimes we cannot and especially when we look at the quality of matter for instance you know when we pay attention to what's going on in our heart in our mind we can tune inwards and we can really take on those whatever it is you know whatever there lies in the heart whatever comes into our heart whether we like it whether we don't like it whether it's supportive or not but with the quality of uh, upeka it's a lot about also what's externally say and then you know some things yeah we we can change and if we can change them which is great you know it is all about also in the buddha's teaching put on put forward the right effort to change things which we can change but a lot of times we cannot change things and uh, then is when upeka comes in so when we have an understanding say an intellectual understanding of the dhamma of the buddha's teaching of a cause and effect that makes it much easier it doesn't maybe necessarily lessen the pain but it understanding of the things the way they are gives us a footing and takes away that second error again you know that reactivity and um so say for me my father has passed away in march this year and of course it is a very sad thing to uh, for me and uh, to 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 see him go and and to witness that and to be with that grief as well and being alone but also i knew that he had a medical condition and uh, i was aware due to that medical condition that he could go any time and as it happened you know i was of course shocked in the beginning i was i was uh, deeply sad and but i also i had uh, this understanding of heart that is actually yeah part of life and, and so it's part for all of our lives you know we all we having this condition which the buddha called birth you know we all came into this world and we all 
have to leave this world at one stage. So if we can get a better understanding of reality, then we might also not be so completely overwhelmed if you know, it happens, say, to a person which is close to us, uh, or even like if we have to face hardships in our lives. And um, one thing that um, is good to think about is the eight worldly winds, the Buddha called them, the eight worldly winds. And you see, even by the story I was telling in the beginning, they even were taking place in the monastery, those eight worldly winds. And they are about basically things which just happen, you know, and they are part of reality, part of nature. These eight worldly winds, they are a praise and blame, they are a loss and gain, they are statues and these statues, and they are happiness and suffering. And as we are practitioners and as we observe them, they happen in all of our lives, you know. Again, regardless of where we are, they just come true. But if we can develop the mind quality of upeka, of stability, evenness, we are better prepared to withstand those winds and not so easily to be swept away by those uh, worldly winds. So um, an example how I remember those worldly winds is uh, that the simile of a person going into a casino and he is gambling. And if that person wins, that's the win situation or the loss, then we have that, you know, losing and winning, loss and, oh, pray, no, I'm confused now, gain and <laughs> the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> Gaining and please help me. <laughs> Losing, thank you, yeah. <laughs> so if that person wins, if he gains, you know, he's liked, he is uh, successful, so he, he gets a lot of praise and a lot of status, and also happiness will follow. But if uh, that person, say, loses, you know, then there's also people talk about him, you know, he's foolish or she is foolish, you know, gambling all the money away and, um, you know, can't pay the bills by the end of the month. And then there's also, it always comes along with a lot of um, these statues. No one wants to be with a loser and uh, um, people try to get away from people who are not successful. They feel more drawn towards the winners and he gets also he that person gets the sticks as well and what follows is then also in the end is suffering because you know that person has lost so this is just a, a, a very nice little example of um, how I remember the, the eight worldly wins by someone going into a casino and, and, and gambling and losing or winning. So um, these are the, the four Brahma-viharas. Um, but especially, you can see as we were practicing them, and um, we're doing, going along with them, doing many exercises, and then towards the end of the family camp, we had like a big uh, celebration, which we then joined together. We had guests coming in. And we were yeah, celebrating those facts and we had little plays and so on and so forth. But what was really also, um, you know, striking is just uh, the fact, you know, that we can apply those things not only in those situations, but also say more in a interpersonal relationship, say in... Um, 
in a partnership, in a, in a relationship, in uh, a romantic love, a lot of time when we are in that, and it seems to take on a certain dynamic, and that dynamic can become very self-centered, self-obsessed. But where else? The Brahma-Viharas, they are true love, they are real love. And they really help us to love ourselves and love our partner in a true way. And that means we're not dependent on, you know, the appreciation at that moment or the love that we receive in return because we have the ability to practice unconditioned love, to practice true love. And this is, this is really, this is meta. Now to give it to our partners, well, even at the times when there maybe is no love in in return, but it doesn't mean we have to turn away or we have to get sour over that whole deal. But then also uh, the other qualities of compassion and joy, they are care about our partner's joys, but also the suffering. So it's the ability, the empathy, and the sympathy to be with our partner in the good times, in the bad times, in situation when, you know, there is something really positive, but also in situation when it's, say, rather tough and a struggle. And if we have that cultivated for ourselves, and then we can also shared with our partner. That means true love. That means real love. And then also, the last of them, opaca, equanimity, is also sometimes, again, things do go rough in relationships as well. But that also gives us maybe the distance, you know, and the, the balance to maybe stay a bit out of it. Don't get too drawn maybe into that vicious circle and observe it more from the outside and with that you know stay more focused for ourselves in ourselves and then we can also share that stability of mind that stability of heart with our partner as well and that is a great support for our relationship then so as we are doing this and um, also I see some of you is thinking about oh, how do we practice this but it's also the question might arise now is it's all nice and good you know or the Pramaviharas or the kids who say the brown bananas but they're really you know they're not real Buddhist practice you know they are pre-Buddhist anyway I've read it all in the books you know it's not a real Buddhist teaching and it's, it's sort of like a bit of wishy-washy and, you know, uh, complementary teaching. But also we try to explore how it is actually, it's not that, it's actually, it's the heart of the Buddha's teaching. You know, it's a heartful teaching, but it's also the heart. And um, we were doing this by comparing the four Brahma-Viharas to the four noble truths. And as we were looking at the Four Noble Truths, say the first Noble Truth is that of uh, unhappiness or dissatisfaction. And that, repair that with the quality of compassion. Because in our lives we all go through phases, we all have um, encounters on a daily basis of dissatisfaction, of not getting what we want and you know the whole description of the Buddhist teaching of, of suffering. So if we can attend, appreciate that with a sense of karuna, then we are there already. We are open up and the first noble truth, it also comes with a task. And the task the Buddha asks us to do is to take it in the first noble truth should be apprehended, it should be understood. And by opening up, by giving ourselves in the face of difficulties, giving ourselves 
this wholehearted compassion, we're opening up to it. Or the second noble truth, this is the cause of suffering, which is basically that desire, that selfish desire that always wants or doesn't want or goes maybe out to the senses. Yeah. So this we can pair with metta, with kindness, because we can observe by those motivations, by the cause of suffering. You know, if we give it metta, if we give it openness, if we give it that all embracing, all accepting, radical acceptance, we open up to these qualities, the cause of suffering, and we don't react, we just take them, and we stay with them. We don't have to go further, we don't have to push away, we don't have to condemn, and we don't have to grasp if it's pleasant, if we want it, and we don't have to go out and distract ourselves with, say, um, the, our senses, which we are very good and I'm, I'm very good with that. And I think that's just a human, very human condition. So by giving that this radical acceptance, we can be with that. And then, which leads us then, if we let go of that, we come to the third noble truth, which is happiness in and of itself, is letting go of that selfish desire, of that tanha, the Buddha called it. And that is joy. And we're going to pair it up with joy as well. Mudita. You know, we are there at a place of joy. And again, it is so important to be with that joy and also to see it and to appreciate it. And not just, you know, get on with things and rush to the next thing. But really, really also experience at this present moment actually wow you know this dissatisfaction struggle has ended and now freedom and joy can arise and we can have sympathy we can have sympathy for our own joy and again by using that simile of the dog in the hall of mirrors we can then also just let that joy grow for ourselves and for others as well. And then the fourth of the noble truth is maga, it's the path. And this is paired up with equanimity because the path in and of itself, it's a path which is a stable path, is a path of balance, it's a path of um, consisting of the factors of the noble eightfold path. And they are all very centered, or the Buddha called it the middle way. So it's not leaning towards the left, it's not leaning towards the right. It's a centered, it's the middle way. And therefore we can pair it up with a quality of equanimity. But even when we go and investigate a little bit further into this Eightfold path, the Buddha's description of his teaching, the core, again, we can see, you know, looking at the first of those factors of the Noble Eightfold Path, which is right view. And right view basically is the view which is not our personal view, or I like this, or I want this, I don't like this, or it should be like this, or why don't we do it that way? It's not self-view, that would mean wrong view. It is right view, and right view is the view which is in line with nature, which is in line with the way things are, which is in line with Dhamma, you can say. And this is the first of those noble qualities and it consists um, so to speak of is the first factor of the Buddhist wisdom teaching but that is directly paired with the second 
of the Noble Eightfold Path factors, which is right thinking. They are almost like brothers and sisters, you can say. Right view goes hand in hand with right thinking. So, and what is right thinking? Right thinking is the thought of letting go or renunciation. Right thinking is the thought of metta and right thinking is the thought of karuna. So you see those three qualities uh, in pointed out by the Buddha as right thinking. They are really two of them. They are the Brahma-viharas. They are metta and they are karuna. And they are in the basket of wisdom. And that also shows that it's actually it's not something which is complementary, which is, you know, a bit of a feel-good teaching and make ourselves, you know, uh, happy and give ourselves a bit of a, a quality time by just applying a bit of metta here and a tiny bit of upeka there, just to be happy enough, good enough. No, it's actually, it's sitting at the core of the Buddha's wisdom teaching. And um, again, the wisdom in the Buddha's teaching is the forerunner for all those other path factors to follow along. And again, as they grow, as they progress, then they also they strengthen the wisdom quality which is already existing in our hearts. And this is a nice rounding up as of the Buddhist teaching, uh, I would say, and also I would call it um, a nice uh, coming to a completion of this talk uh, about the family camp and what we did at our time there, but also the encouragement for for all of you. So. Um, please reflect upon of what you heard, take in what is beneficial, what is leading to deeper happiness, what is leading to real love. And if it's not beneficial for you, then just leave it into this hall and leave it in this hall here. And yeah, just rejoice in uh, what you're having and encouragement to yeah look at those qualities of heart look at these qualities of mind as well and cultivate them see make use of them and cultivate them in a such a way that you can live happier for yourself but also in your relationships in your families and in the whole society so um, may you all be well, happy and peaceful.